Hello and welcome to the context. I am Nivedita Varadarajan. Over the past few months, you have heard about a shortfall in containers, and this is affecting global trade. The shortfall has become so massive; it has become very intense, and it's actually hurting the entire shipping industry. Uh, this is important given that 90% of all the world's trade happens via shipping lines. You might have even come across scary headlines which talk about the fact that we are in the midst of a container gadel. But what exactly is this crisis? I'm joined today by Raghu Shankar ji, the executive director of ICSA Group, to help us understand the issue better. Thank you for joining us today, sir. So, what is this container crisis all about? We cannot straight away say that there is a container shortage leading to this uh, crisis. The present problem is a fourfold problem. One is non-availability of containers. The second is non-availability of slots for these containers to be carried in a, a vessel. Third is all these vessels. Now, generally, they have a, a scheduled size sailing. They will call this port A on so and so date, then call port B. It has become very erratic. This post to this pandemic, you now there is an erratic sailing of the vessels, so they miss connectivities. And uh, what is happening is the fourth problem is conditions at the port. I am not looking at it from Indian ports. I am looking at it globally. Globally, be it China, be it UK, be it US, everywhere. The waiting time for a vessel at the ports to take a berth, discharge, and pick up and sail back is taking a longer time. This has a cascading effect. All these four factors put together has created a crisis which wasn't there, to my knowledge, in the recent history at all. This is the background of the crisis that we are facing today. Container shortage, slot not available, uh, erratic sailing of the vessels, and port condition. Uh, can you tell us in rupee or dollar terms about uh, the impact uh, it has on the global trade uh, on each container? Supposing I'm shipping something from here in Chennai where we are to, say, somewhere in the US. Is there like a huge increase in the amount of money which has been spent? Uh, you can, you can. I mean, if you want uh, some sort of a ballpark figure, you can say that the freight rates have gone up in certain locations three to four times, which effectively about a three hundred percent to four hundred percent. Oh wow! What was used to be, let's say, about three thousand hmm. dollars, is today going at ten thousand, eleven thousand, twelve thousand dollars. See, what has come now is because of the crisis, the industry is also willing to pay. To them, no, the commitment to deliver has become more important than the freight element. And if it is a high-value cargo, it is okay. If it is a low-value cargo, it is noticed that the value of the freight is more than the value of the cargo. So it has come to a situation where, uh, uh, generally discussing, you know, a threefold, fourfold increase in freight is accepted as a common thing, which is not good. So, I mean, uh, three thousand to thirteen thousand is uh, is an unbelievable uh, increase. So, how was the situation before the pandemic? There was some talk about some issues before. How, has the pandemic increased the issues? You look at it this way: pre-pandemic, the shipping line used to be after the exporters. Hmm. Today, the shipping, the exporters are at the mercy of the shipping line. 
earlier there used to be a negotiation for $50 this way or that way. Today, there is no room for negotiation. We will assume, hypothetically speaking, I do get a freight for a US port or a Chinese port. The next issue comes is, if I need a slot for the container to be carried on priority, I pay a surcharge, a premium. Mm. So that is about $1,000 more. So you keep on, it becomes an add-on to every activity. So the shipping lines, if you really look at it, the balance sheet of some of the last shipping lines have jumped. Lost in the last decade or so, they would have regained it in, uh, in the first quarter or the second quarter. Hmm. And the trend is not going to stop. Uh, what can uh, companies do to ensure that their products go other than pay a huge premium? Uh, you have to take a call whether you want to continue in business, in the export business. One. Hmm. Two is whether want still the patronage of a, a buyer abroad. See, you take garment as an industry and garment is going to be a deciding factor for the next few months. Mm. See, New Year and Christmas are fashion garment season. So there's going to be a huge demand for space because the garment has to reach by end of November or early December. Otherwise, fashion garment, they lose their value if it is not going to be there in time life of a fashion garment is Christmas and New Year. Later on, now it comes to sale. Mm. There are, uh, you know, garment manufacturers who are airlifting as of today, which is unheard of. Okay, you airlift uh, a small portion, it is all right. Container loads getting airlifted is not a good sign. And this trend will definitely continue till the crisis is over and the crisis is not going to be over in the near future. Some time ago last year, uh, sorry, earlier this year, the Suez Canal was also blocked. What was the impact of the Suez Canal blockage on the container crisis? Okay, see, we will take the Suez Canal. And mm -hmm. Suez Canal is one of the reasons. We can't single out Suez Canal alone uh, as a reason for uh, the present crisis. I just go back uh, marginally before the Suez Canal so that there is a cogency of what we discussed. Mm -hmm. Started with the pandemic. Hmm. And more than the pandemic, it all started with the lockdown. Hmm. Due to the lockdown, manufacturing came to a standstill. But still, country like India, they evacuated the containers from the ports and terminals to various outside the port locations. It could be an ICD, it could be a container freight station. At one stage, in India alone, we were holding about half a million containers outside the port, outside the terminal in all the CFS. I'm taking India only as an example so that, you know, you can it's do a multi to understand to all the countries. Hmm. Other countries, you know, they were not even able to move the boxes from the port. So the port congestion in other countries was more, port congestion in India was less. But nevertheless, the boxes getting blocked, stuck, you no, know, it started with the pandemic. Slowly, the pandemic started easing out. And then we had this Suez Canal impact. You take the Suez Canal impact, I'm going by memory. 369 vessels were stuck there. Mm. Out of the 369 vessels that were stuck, some, somewhere around 240 were container vessels. Mm. This 240-odd container vessels would have been holding both sides about approximately 2 million boxes. These 200 and odd vessels will have to go to a port either to discharge or to pick up. 
So these ports again would have been blocking another four to five million inboxes. And these ports, they have a turnaround time. They have a capacity to hold X number of boxes or X days of inventory there. Because of this blockade, again, you know, there was a pileup in all these ports. So effectively, if you're considering all this, we are talking about the blocking of about 10 million boxes across uh, all the places that vessels that were stranded in Suez Canal will call. So, that, so, sir, that will be in Egypt, in West Asia, in uh, Europe, and also along the way, so somewhere in India also? No, partly India also. Because okay. India, see, the point that I'm trying to make is whenever there is a disruption for a day in container mm. traffic, for normal speed to be restored, it takes about a week. You can take it as a ratio of one to six to seven days. A okay. day's requires six to seven days to rectify. Mm. So if you take Suez Canal, even though the canal was blocked for about six to seven days, the cascading effect of definitely will be for a month plus. Mm. Immediately after the Suez Canal, in a month or so, two months, sometime in July, 23rd or so, if I'm not mistaken, you had uh, a typhoon in in China. Mm. So again, uh, in China, uh, two of the major ports were closed. Again, uh, you had a blockage, you had a cascading effect. And in September, there was one more typhoon. And if you take China, China due to pandemic, no, one or the other ports used to be closed sometime or other, even if it is a couple of days or a week. See, China is one of the largest uh, uh, hub, I mean, the movement areas for the containers. So if it is going to be stuck there, it's going to be stuck. For a long you, time. You take US, US, if you take the West Coast, I mean, vessels are getting slowly. It has come to a stage where we are accepting seven days, eight days, 10 days of waiting for the vessel to birth as normal. Hmm. If a vessel is going to wait for 10 days, effectively, we are talking about 10 days of blocking off the space in the terminal. Hmm. See, the problem that is attributed to countries like US, this is not highlighted much. After the pandemic, I think... Uh, uh, Mexican people, they come to the ports and uh, they handle the cargo. They have gone. And they, there is a huge shortage of labor in most of the US ports. So they are not able to handle. And the containers which normally has, after landing, a turnaround time of seven days, today has gone to 14 days and 21 days. So these containers are getting stuck globally. EU, it is not India. India is definitely better than in terms of the turnaround of the containers. Globally, European ports, American ports, Chinese ports, everywhere there is a vessel congestion, there is a pileup, there is a delay in the boxes. See, the major problem that US and uh, European countries are facing is non-availability of trucking drivers. India is better that way. We have somehow managed to come out of that uh, post-pandemic. This is a global phenomenon which is going to continue. How has the Indian shipping industry been affected by this huge crisis? It's, it's a global crisis, but how has India been affected so far? India as an Indian flag vessel or Indian container carriers, we have no presence at all globally. Hmm. No presence. We rely only on the major uh, shipping lines to supply the, whether it is vessel or the boxes to us. Hmm. We are missing the bus. We miss the bus. 
what india should have done is we should have created a parallel shipping activity we should have strengthened our fleet actually our fleet instead of getting strengthened it is only getting depleted it is the area that we have to focus on the prime minister has announced when this crisis came about india manufacturing containers of its own that's a long shot if you personally ask me if this crisis is going to continue it may it may be over sometime in 2013 but again it's going to come sorry when will it get over 2023 2023 okay so that's a whole year away so that's uh, with due respect no with all the optimism that we may have the crisis will continue so you you look at it the, the availability of container vessels globally is coming down hmm. and there are orders placed for new vessels hmm. but then it's not maggie that you cook it in 2 minutes and serve it it takes time to build a vessel considering all that and the global shortage of container vessels scrapping it will take a longer time see what india i mean as an immediate way to handle the crisis only the crisis not long term short term what india can do is india can become aggressive the shipping ministry mm-hmm. the shipping cars they can become aggressive what they can do is they can go to the market charter vessels even if chartering the vessel is seen i am giving this again as an example uh, a chartering of a vessel which was costing somewhere around 10000 or 12000 dollars a day is costing somewhere around 70000 dollars a day wait what from 10000 it jumped to 70000 10000 dollars a day so increase so indirectly this might this has to be passed on by the shipping line who charter the ships to the exporters hmm. that's one of the reason for the freight to shoot up what india as a country can do is grow into the market and hire charter vessels even if it is a question of paying 80000 uh, dollars a day it is still uh, still worth it so that you support the indian industry you hire about a dozen two dozen vessels because highest bidder gets it you enter into a long term contract saying for two years i will take it even assuming it is going to be a loss it's, it's a loss which we should bear purely because you are supporting the export industry this is uh, the, the short term approach that the shipping corporation of india or the ministry of shipping should do aggressively go into the market and hire charter vessels this is an extremely interesting suggestion you give because the indian export have increased a lot over the pandemic years like over the one and the past one year exports have increased a lot both to the us and to europe so this is an actual good suggestion which will help people so are you trying to say that the government should bear the losses and not uh, increase the freight charge for the exporters is that the solution in the short term yeah i am just going with numbers huh? mm-hmm. let us assume that india decides to hire a vessel which the carrying capacity of 10000 containers let's assume mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Let's assume they pay, they 
it is a question of having the aggression to go to the market bid and ensure that you enter into a long term contract with some of the uh, the chip owners saying that yes i want to charter a vessel for there will be huge demand because all the large shipping companies now they are also trying to get the maximum out of it so you can at least make your presence felt if not i mean they'll be going for a larger vessel you go for a smaller vessel higher it if one first is no you are establishing yourself in the maritime industry globally mm. second is you are supporting the exporters in india mm. thirdly with the present crisis if large shipping companies which were in the red for decades can in one or two quarters wipe out the the, the red and be in positive it's an opportunity it's how you cash and how fast you cash is what we should do this is one thought i don't think anybody so, sir, should the indian government if they do something like this pass on the freight charges to the indian exporter and importer no even see there are two things one is availability hmm. second is timely sailing and the third one is the pricing factor today an exporter is willing to pay anything and everything hmm. provided they get a slot they get a container hmm. even assuming you reduce your ocean freight by about 10 to 20% the shipping corporation or the ministry will make margin at the same time no the indian exporter is going to have the advantage of a competing facility available in india this is what i'm saying nobody nobody today in shipping industry you know especially shipping line they are incurring a loss nobody okay it is impossible to incur a loss there something is wrong with the way they manage here, the industry so what is the role of shipping corp here because we have an indigenous a government run company what's the shipping corporation of india doing no i am saying shipping corporation can do what i am suggesting now they can go to the market uh, global market and hire vessels charter vessels temporary long term short term anything but uh, believe me no it requires lot of aggression shipping industry today has become so aggressive unless otherwise you are going to be really aggressive that you want something to happen yesterday nothing will happen till tomorrow okay and we are we are known we are known for being a bit slow mm. see by now no we should have addressed this crisis it's it's, it's been we are sitting on this time bomb for the last 6 7 months mm. and we'll continue to sit on this time bomb so you were talking about a short term uh, 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 solution you you were about to talk about a longer term solution what's that okay we come to the long term we'll talk about the mid term and we'll talk about the long term yes also. most definitely yes see uh, uh, do we have our own capacity built in the last i mean i don't want to mention the name of the ships that we have it would not be fair we have about three or four uh, feeder vessels uh, that operate under the indian flag okay india as a country indian economy as an exporter are we incapable of generating business if shipping corporation or somebody supported by the government of india decide to own and operate large vessels from india on a global basis the answer is no we have enough volume of our own 
and it is a profitable venture. What we should enter into is start ordering vessels. Many of the shipping, the order books of the shipbuilders are full, purely because many of the shipping lines, so they have started booking the order. If you really look at it, till about two years back, the situation was bleak. And people were wondering whether they made the right decision in ordering for the vessels. Mm. Same shipping lines today, they feel that they made the right decision in ordering for the vessels. We are talking about Make in India, all that is fine. You make the ship abroad, but the vessel now let it operate from India so that no, it becomes Make in India for service, as a service, not as a manufacturing facility. Mm. Today, we have no vessels of our own to boost, to tell the world, no, look, I, 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 I am a power by, by, by myself. What the second stage the government should do is start ordering for vessels, futuristically speaking. And if they feel shipping corporation uh, may not be able to operate it, it can be a PPP model. It could be any model, but it should be available to an Indian exporter and to an Indian importer to be competitive globally. Third one is from the time the Prime Minister made an announcement that India will start manufacturing containers. He hinted, I don't think much progress is made. See, manufacturing containers cannot happen overnight. But in any case, the demand for containers globally is going to go up. Because from conventional farm, most of the cargo has been shifted other than bulk shipments of oil, ore, all these things. Everything else has gone into the container mode. So demand is not going to diminish. Demand can only enhance. That being so, India should start manufacturing their own containers. It may not be lucrative if the government is not going to consider A, raw material that is supplied for any container that is manufactured no, should be treated as though it is a supply made for export. Export substitution. So automatically you give all the concessions, at least in the initial stages for manufacture of containers. What is a container basically? It is wood and steel. Hmm. All non-ferrous. Either it is steel or it could be aluminium and wood. So the government can give stops to say that, look, anything in the next one year, two years, three years, supply for manufacture of containers will get zero tax. You give income tax relief also. These are the way that you build your own strength over a period of time. See, the problem in our country is we take good decisions, but we are very poor in implementing them. I feel that our aggression should be not in decision-making. Our aggression should be beyond decision-making. The Prime Minister has a vision. Executing the vision needs equal aggression as the vision of Prime Minister. So you're saying that India should, for one, uh, give a, we are already giving a push policy-wise to make containers, but we should also follow it up by actually implementing steps on the ground to ensure that we are give, uh, making the containers. How long will it take to make a container, like six, seven months? Well, uh, six, seven months is an optimistic uh, view. Okay, so being very uh, optimistic, we do it in six, seven months. Uh, and we already uh, have all the raw materials, right? We have good companies, we have nice large industries to make both steel and uh, aluminium products, right? So why are we not able to do that step? Uh, is that a problem of implementation or is there a deeper problem here? 
Oh, I, I, I do not know if tomorrow, well, let's assume that the government decides to come out with uh, circular notification, uh, trade notice, whatever you may call saying that uh, anybody and everybody involved in manufacture of containers with a minimum capacity of X, we'll say X, mm. will be exempted from the following taxes, including income tax for a temporary period of five years. You keep okay. a, a, a sunset clause on yeah. No, you you are generating interest for people to line up to start the activity. There is no where is the incentive for anybody to get involved in a, in a manufacturing activity if they are not going to get anything in return. Huh? Mm. There should be something in return. See what is happening is you say yes, the government of India. See, Bamalari used to manufacture containers, but we are not doing it anymore. We are not doing it anymore. See what I'm saying is. This is a potential area where making India is possible. Very, very potential area. And these containers are not going to serve only the Indian market. It's going to serve the global market. Hmm. Also, that being so, I don't know. If these are all uh, uh, personal views, which I feel the, if we are able to think far ahead into the future, Nothing wrong in giving a, a tax exemption in whatever way you may call it to ensure that uh, we have the facility to either manufacture, to manufacture, to market, and to make it globally available. I'm, I'm only talking about this as a business by itself. Nothing to do with your helping the Indian industry, which you will be definitely doing. It's a it's a business. It's a, it's a profit model by itself, but. What it requires is government support to say that, look, I am willing to support you, provided you fulfill these basic requirements. I will give you tax holiday, whatever it is. So then there's the long-term plan also. So what will be in the long-term plan? See, uh, if, you, if you look at uh, the Indian uh, shipping industry, we are building too many ports, too many terminals, Despite the fact, uh, if you take Chennai, I'm giving Chennai as an example, you have three ports and uh, four terminals. You have something near Krishnapatinam. It it's, it's, it's good that you have many ports so that each one will compete with each other. But the point is, it should not become an unhealthy competition. Port activity by itself is, uh, is a business uh, proposition. We have been talking about creating hub, hub ports, transshipment terminals. Uh, somehow, we have not progressed at all. Uh, somewhere, no, there is lack of aggression to create uh, vision statements into realities. Kuchin was supposed to be a transshipment hub. It is uh, not much as happened. You want to create a transshipment hub? No, you be aggressive and you have a separate wing only to focus on that. Day in and day out, no, there should be some sort of a progress report. Here, we, we, we decide the things, but our progress is a bit slow. Maybe we have so many constraints uh, to execute any project, but that can improve. It is improving. If you really look at it, no, the last uh, years, uh, implementation stage is quite fast, but that fast is not fast enough. So, um, should the government try and look at 
having huge ports to do specific things or should they look at smaller ports to do smaller uh, with like specialized areas like Chennai port will do one thing, the VOC port will do something else, the port in Visagapatnam will do something else. Is that the way it's supposed to go? Is that specialization needed? Generally, this, this, this uh, what you have talked about now has been in discussion for a long time. Basically, you look at it, you know, ports, either the ports are created depending on the industries which is available or industries start growing up because there is a port facility. If you are going to say, let it be product-specific ports, the industry which is already existing because there is a port, you take Chennai port. Chennai port is serving probably about 100, 200, 300 industries in and around it. So if you say Chennai, let it be specialized in cargo A, then those who are manufacturing cargo B, C, and D will have to go to some other port. That I don't think will work. Every port should be multiple product capacity ports. I don't think that single product ports no, is, uh, is a good concept. So what about big, large ports then? Is that the way to go? Big, large ports? Yes. You take Chennai port or Mumbai port, not Navasheva. Chennai port and Mumbai port, they have restrictions because cities grow because of the port. Hmm. The city grew faster than the port. So what had happened is the port, the connectivity to the port, not connectivity from the port to the global market, connectivity to the port, last mile connectivity to the port is a common user facility, right from a pedestrian to a 40-foot container which carries cargo or an ODC, same road is used by everybody. So automatically, yes. So it is good that um, Mumbai decided to have the port outside the city, but unfortunately, Navasheva is fast growing. So Navasheva will also end up the same way as Mumbai, saying that it is going to be uh, common user roads that is available. But in Chennai, they are talking about an elevated freight corridor connecting the port to 20-30 kilometers away by an elevator. This should be the future uh, plan. But the we talk has been going on for many years, I think almost a decade now. No, it's more than that. 2006 was a day. I mean, uh, I, I don't want to go into the politics of any of this discussion. I would like to limit myself to the economy of it. See, what can happen is you create an elevated uh, freight corridor which will land directly to the port. It need not necessarily be Chennai port, it could be any port. Mm. Land. You are eliminating all the traffic conditions, not only for the port, for common men also. Mm. Should be the vision. Even assuming it is going to cost, it is going to take time, it is still worth it to connect the port to a place outside the city limits. If it is going to be 30 kilometers outside the city from where, no, the, the, the takeoff is going to take place and the landing is going to be inside the port, it's still worth it. Mm. As you rightly said, no, this discussion is going on for decades. And some one project was started for some reason, it was stopped also, it is still going on. There are legal tangles going on. Mm. I'm saying not to go into those things, no, that should be the vision that exclusively for the cargo 
which is entering the port or going from the port, there will be a dedicated corridor, a facility available so that it will not disrupt the normal traffic and it will also move seamlessly from a place outside the city to the ports. This should be the vision. We are talking about uh, uh, Chennai Bangalore Freight Corridor. Mm. This has been there in the budget for the last couple of years. Yes. That is that's fully industrial corridor. I am only talking about a shorter version of it, only connecting the port to a, from a place outside the city limits. It is possible. It's possible. So the short-term solution would be to have like a small road alongside like a service lane for freights alone, right? Or have the have them go only in the night or something. What is happening is, if you are going to say only in the night, I'm going to allow you to move the cargo, hmm. there will be a pilot. Okay. What is happening now is the pilot. Hmm. During the lean period, you know, the, car, the cargo, I mean, lean time, night time, the cargo movement is slightly better than the moment morning. during the daytime. Hmm. This is going on for decades, it's going on. In fact, uh, they came out with this Emirate project, Indoor Manali road improvement uh, project which finally got completed. I mean, other than uh, a patch of few kilometers, it is ready. But then it has outlived its life. It is. It has become redundant today. No, if it had not been there, no, it, uh, everything would have come to a standstill. See, the blessing in this case, as far as Chennai port is concerned, that project was completed, plus partly Ennur port and uh, Katupalli. Hmm. They have also started. So the chunk of the business has been shifted from Chennai port to Katapalli. So there is some relief. Otherwise, no, it would have been more chaotic. You build an infrastructure whereby outside the city to the port, no, there is a single connectivity, elevated connectivity, exclusive connectivity. Even assuming it is by a toll payment, no, people would still pay. Hmm. It's worth it. Painting for uh, uh, Chennai to Colombo takes about uh, one and a half to two days. Chengal Putri to Chennai should not take uh, two days. days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a huge problem, right? We face that even while commuting, the travel time is a lot. Yeah. Um, I want to come back to something which you talked about a little earlier when you said that textile industry faces a huge issue uh, when transporting right now. So what can textile exporters and importers do right now for themselves? Because you said there's a huge markup in the transport cost. So how are they being impacted? Textile industry is a huge industry in Tamil Nadu and in India. No, we'll, we'll, we'll specify it as garment industry. I yeah. correct myself. No, you said industry. garment. You said garment. I'm, I expanded it. You take uh, garment or leather products also. I mean, mm. I am talking about fashion products which is required to be delivered in time otherwise no the value is lost hmm. the shelf life of any fashion garment is the season hmm. if it is for christmas the shelf life for the product is christmas if it is new year because they are fashion garments they become out of fashion after the season is over hmm. see what they're finding see marginally I'm not saying greatly, very marginally textile has one advantage. Only one advantage. Huh? Shipping lines, no, they are choosing the weight of the container to decide whether they want to carry it or not. Oh, okay. So, so, the cargo, they are more reluctant to carry it. Okay. The cargo, 
they are somewhat accepting it. I'm not saying that it will solve the problem. So all the AV can, can't grow. It could be machinery, it could be automobile exports. All of them know are bigger losers because pick the and product choose. is heavy and it's bulky. Yeah, pick and choose no is what uh, the shipping lines are doing. We can't blame them because they feel that the vessel carrying capacity is so much. I can more load more boxes if the weight is less. Hmm. So for balancing it, they are doing it. Beyond the point. You, you can't blame anybody. It has, it has come to a stage where each one is blaming the other, but technically speaking, everyone has to blame everybody else and themselves. So what is happening as far as the garment industry is concerned, if they have a committed order, and if the order which is committed is from a buyer who is a regular buyer and who has been with them for a long time, they have no choice but to ensure the cargo reaches on time. So what they do is they desperately try for the containers. Assuming there is a failure to get a container, they have no option than to airlift the cargo. Please make a note, airlifting the cargo is at their cost, not the receiver's cost. Okay, so how expensive is airlifting the cargo versus shipping it? Let us assume it is going to cost me $10,000 for a, for a container, just okay. a number. Hmm. $10,000 is, let us assume for about 10 tons. Again, it's all ballpark figures. Huh? Hmm. You divide $10,000 by 10, uh, 10 tons, it comes to about $1,000 uh, per ton. Hmm. You take a, a scenario in uh, air cargo, uh, I mean, uh, by air. air. Uh, yeah, by air. Approximately, it will cost you somewhere between 400 to 500 rupees per kg, per kilo. Wow. One, yeah. See, for you to understand, saying one kg is going to cost me about 400 to 500 rupees, as against one ton of cargo costing me $1,000. This is a hit they have to take if they have to keep the relationship with the buyer going. And it's a huge hit. Huh? And, Probably the crisis may increase. It will not decrease in the days to come. So how can they protect themselves given this huge cost? How can they protect themselves from going under by shipping one consignment? See, what is happening now is the shipping lines, no? They are also finding it difficult to find boxes. Hmm. See, one of the suggestions that we have given personally, if you ask me, India is also repositioning many empty containers to various other countries. The government can say India is not going to permit reposition of any empty boxes. Sorry, what does that mean? Reposition? Let us assume I import a container hmm. into India. Okay. The cargo is here. The container becomes empty. Hmm. It can either carry an export cargo or it is shipped out empty because in some other country there is a huge demand for this container. Okay. So without feeling that, many of the shipping lines, they export the boxes out, out of the country. Okay. In certain crisis situations, they also bring empty containers into India so that they meet certain export commitments. Both is happening. Okay. But repositioning of empty boxes is a regular feature because they feel more than the freight that is collected by them in India, the freight is better somewhere in China or some other ports. Okay. Should say that no container will be allowed to be exported as empty boxes from the country. Okay. What is coming in should go out only after filling. They can do it. 
I think one of the ports, I think if you have not mistaken, Calcutta has taken a stand that whatever is coming in can only go as a, a load. It cannot go as empty. So it's with the ports, with a port's decision to do this, is it? Or is it no, the no, government no, of India's decision? No, 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 it's not the port's decision. They took the initiative, that's all I'm saying. Okay. So this is the government of India's decision then. If government of India tomorrow says, no, I will allow only up to 10%. Or 5% of empty containers to be repositioned, the rest of it should be used only for Indian exports. At least there is a possibility that the boxes will be available uh, in India. Okay. Okay. So, the, wait, so let me get this right. So the Indian exporter is facing competition with another Indian exporter for the shipping container. At the same time, he's facing competition from someone else somewhere like in China or US, wherever, for the same shipping container. So he has to outbid everyone to get the container. Yes. Oh my God, so okay. Is, so what is happening is, let us assume just for a number, India is getting about uh, every month one lakh containers, we'll assume. Hmm. This one lakh container which is coming into India, just a number, huh? we will take, it takes about uh, 10 days. For the container to be de-stuffed and made uh, ready, so we are talking about effectively about sixty-six. Uh, I mean, two-thirds of uh, one lakh. We'll take it as 60, 65 thousand boxes. Yeah. Out of the sixty-five thousand, sorry, sixty-five thousand containers, we are talking about at least about ten to fifteen percent. No, goes back as empty. Okay. Out of the country because they keeping line feels that they get a better yield. For the same right. even after sending it as empty to some other country, they get a better yield. So they decide to ship it out. I'm saying if you don't ship out any empty, uh, recently one of the shipping lines has given a statement saying in the last few months, we repositioned about two lakh boxes to India. Two okay. lakh is peanuts for what we need. Hmm. So these are all the options that we should explore so that uh, temporarily, at least, there is some sort of a relief. So how many boxes are being repositioned out of India currently? You can take it to somewhere around 10 to 15%. Okay, so that's a lot then. That's a that's huge a chunk which is, should be available for India, which is going out to someone else. No, and, I read recently which okay. hmm. uh, uh, says, no, Coca-Cola. Hmm. Um, Coca-Cola is one of the largest... Uh, I mean, exporters, whichever country it is, they found that uh, this is going out of control and you know their demand is quite huge. Just imagine Coca-Cola what is being shipped out uh, per day consumption and all, if you take it, it's huge. Mm. I believe left with no other option, they have decided to go for uh, some of the items on a break bulk, not on a container vessel. There is a distinction between a break bulk and a container vessel. A break bulk vessel is the cargo no, is loaded as it is. Whereas in a container vessel, the container is stuffed and the container is loaded into the ship okay. and the container is offloaded. So they are considering about going to break bulk. You take India, pulses is to be imported only in containers. Hmm. Now pulses are imported in break bulk because hmm. they are. See, the problem with the break bulk is the damage, the shortage is more. Hmm. But you to compromise it because when you handle it as bulk, 
there is a tendency of uh, some shortages, spillages. So now they have come to a compromise saying even if the spillage is going to be there and even if there is going to be a shortage, it is still worth it because I need the car. The containers are not available. Uh, do you foresee a situation if this container crisis and this whole shipping line crisis it, it doesn't get solved between uh, before 2023 and if it extends to another like five years will companies start producing internally and not try and export and import as much as they need the export is an economic growth of the country hmm. domestically whatever you sell is fine but if you want to be economically strong your export should be strong. Hmm. Otherwise, no, domestic consumption, definitely India is one of the largest domestic consuming countries in the world. Why is that every country wants to have their presence in India? Purely because our consumption level is so high. Population, population, population. You can relate it to population, you can relate it to our buying power, you can relate it to our economy, you can relate it to anything. You take mobile, no, mobile phones in India is one of the largest uses of the mobile phone, internet, all this. Hmm. The present generation, no, they adopt, they change fast. So if you want to limit yourself to domestic market, there cannot be an industrial or an economic growth. So export should necessarily be there. And when we are talking, talking about trillion economy and all, there should be a supporting uh, role played by everybody. Hmm. What the government can do is behave, uh, become a catalyst for all this to happen. So the era of import substitution won't come back then? No, import substitution is possible, but elimination of imports, all sorts of imports is not possible. So thank you so much, sir, for joining us today and explaining the entire crisis in such detail. 